Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. For there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Natalie. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our second reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're reading chapter 2 from verses 1 through to verse 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, as we come around your word now, we pray that you would inform our minds with the truth and that you would fill our hearts with a corresponding joy. We pray that you would direct our feet as we leave this place later tonight, ready to obey and live lives in view of all that we hear this evening. And Father, we do pray that you would come perhaps to those in this room who do not yet know the word made flesh. And Lord, we pray that they would come to know him tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 10,000 dollars was much more in 1903 than it is today. And so imagine the look of horror on Henry Ford's face when that sum 
was written at the bottom of the invoice in his hands. Uh, there'd been a, a problem with the assembly line in the Ford cars factory, and none of Ford's men could fix it, so they had to call in the best. And his name was Charles Steinmetz. Steinmetz was little over four feet tall, but he was a giant in the engineering community. So he walks into the factory, tinkers around for a few minutes, flicks the switch, and everything's up and running again. And so Ford writes to him, and he says, Charlie, do you not think $10,000 is a bit steep for a bit of tinkering around? And so he sent a revised invoice to Henry Ford, and it went like this. Tinkering around, $10. Knowing where to tinker, $9,990. Well, friends, there is a problem with our factory, isn't there? I mean the factory that we call Earth. Ours is a world in which little boys can be kidnapped, abandoned in Spain, and then found walking around the mountains of France. Ours is a world in which war rages 2,000 miles to the east of us and 2,000 miles to the southeast of us. Ours is a world in which men can serve 48 years worth of prison for committing a crime that they never actually committed. But Jesus can fix our world. Why? Well, because he made it. John 1 verse 3 says this, you just heard it, all things were made through him, that is Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. But the question for all of us tonight is this, are we really prepared for Jesus to fix this world if that means him first tinkering with our hearts? Because you see, the sin in our heart is the root cause of so many of the world's problems that surround us today. The, the disaster around us springs from the disaster within us. And therefore, the change needs to take place at the deepest level of all, namely within our hearts. And so I want to speak very briefly tonight from John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. Verse 9 says this. It says, The true light, again, Jesus, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And it's interesting, when you pop the lid off that word enlightens there, and you sort of bore down into it in the original language, the Greek language in which John wrote, what you find is that the word enlightens doesn't mean that Jesus saves everybody. What it means is Jesus shines the light of his salvation on everyone. Some recoil from that light, whereas others come to that light. Imagine for a moment a, a firefighter. He bursts through a, a door 
of a burning building at midnight and he shines his torch into the first room that he comes to. Some recoil from his light, others come and accept his rescue. Or imagine for a moment a, a lifeboat sent out from Hoylake Lifeboat Station and they, they get out into the water, they begin to shine the light from their boat and they find those who are treading water. Some get into the boat, whereas others recoil and refuse the help all together. And that's the sense behind John's words there. The true light, Jesus, enlightens everyone. So the question is, what are you going to do with the light of Jesus' salvation? Are you going to recoil from it and carry on treading water? Or are you going to accept his, his rescue and his salvation? Well, I want us to look tonight very briefly at those who reject the light and those who receive the light. So number one, those who reject the light, verses 10 and 11 again say this, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is like the ultimate episode of undercover boss gone horribly wrong. Because Jesus formed the eye, but those who saw him didn't have eyes to see who he really was. Jesus formed the ear. But those who heard him preach didn't really have ears to hear what he was saying. And the world was made through him, and yet the world thought nothing more of him than a a carpenter turned preacher with a few interesting stories. That was true for the likes of us. But then John says here that Jesus came to his own, they being the Israelites, the Jews of which Jesus Christ was one. And although that Jesus was everything that God had promised to the Jews, they did not receive him friends just just think for a moment about the the tragedy the the madness of this for a moment here we have ourselves a man able to raise the dead able to open the eyes of the blind able to heal every sickness every disease every affirmity One on earth who had the authority to forgive sins and who had a heart who actually wanted to. Does he sound like the man we should crucify? And so the question is, why was Jesus rejected like that? And why do people recoil from Jesus today? Well, the answer to that is because left to ourselves, we prefer the darkness over and above Jesus, light. You see, the darkness, life apart from Jesus, it, it provides this perfect cover for our sins and for our deeds of darkness. I mentioned to the church that gathers here every Sunday morning, I mentioned to them this morning that my mom brought me this great book for, for Christmas at the beginning of this month. And, and listen to some of the words that this man wrote. He said, just after 3 a.m. on the 8th of August, 1963, A postal train heading towards London stopped at an unexpected red light. The driver got out to investigate and found the telephone cable had been cut. As he made his way back to the train in the dark, he was attacked from behind. The gang of 15 moved the train 
and then unloaded the equivalent of millions in today's money before returning to the hideout an hour or so before first light. And he writes, it's, it's no coincidence, of course, that this crime, known as the great train robbery, was carried out at night. Those who commit theft or assault do not operate in the daylight, but under the cover of darkness. There is something, he writes, within every human heart that appreciates the cover of darkness while recoiling from the light. The person who is doing something wrong does not want that illuminated. We might not be out robbing trains, but there are things in each of our lives that we would rather not be exposed to the light. And that's true, isn't it? That's true. It's interesting, the man who wrote Sherlock Holmes uh, conducted an experiment one day. Uh, He wrote to his closest friends and his letter simply said this, flee, all is uncovered. And something like 10 out of his best friends had left the country within 24 hours. But let me say to those of you who are not Christians here tonight, friends, staying in the darkness is not worth it. Staying in the darkness isn't worth it. It feels safe in the moment. It feels safe for the time being. But Jesus said that those who stay in the darkness will find themselves eventually in an inescapable darkness. Jesus described it as the outer darkness. You might know it today as as hell. And Jesus said that in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so whatever the darkness appears to offer you today, friend, it is not worth it. There is a better option, a better option available to you. And we're going to look at that second as we think about those who receive the light. Verses 12 and 13 say this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of of the will of man, but of God. What did the people gain who, who come to Jesus, who come out of darkness and come to his light? Well, they gain the right to become the children of God. I really do think that, that most people today, uh, if they believe that there is a, a God at all out there doing something somewhere, they would say that we are all his or her or its children. But you know what? The Bible teaches something very, very different. The Bible says if you reverse the tape long enough, then you'll come to discover that we're all children of, of Adam. The man who chose to throw the die of sin onto the spotless canvas of God's creation. But the glorious news is, if you will simply believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth for you, and lived that life without sin for you, and bore your sin in his body on the tree, and died for you, and rose for you, and ascended to you, not only will you be saved, but you will be adopted into God's family. And your identity will change from being a son or a daughter of Adam to being a son or daughter of God. Underneath his smile, 
right in the center of his omnipotent love for you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And upon being saved, adopted. And upon being adopted, welcomed into the family of God, where Jesus is your big brother and God is your father in heaven, right at the center of his love for you. It's amazing. I remember some years ago listening to a man who was a little bit of a, uh, a tennis fanatic, and he got a telephone call one day from a friend of his that worked really high up in, in Wimbledon, and he asked him if he'd like to have a, a personal tour around the grounds of Wimbledon, just him and, and his friend. And so they, there they were, they were walking around the stadium, and the tour ended with them standing right in the center of center court. Now, how did that happen? Well, it happened because he knew a man. He knew a man. And because he knew a man, he was able to stand in the place that he never would have been able to stand if it hadn't been for his relationship with that person. And you know what, friend? If you will know this man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, then you will be able to stand where you could never have stood left to yourself under the smile of God and adopted into his family. How does it happen in time and space? Well, John tells us here, doesn't he, how it doesn't happen. John says it doesn't happen by blood. That is, it doesn't happen by family ties. I sometimes tell my two girls that you can't carry your mom and dad's hand into heaven. It doesn't matter who your family and friends are. It doesn't happen by blood. And it doesn't happen by the will of the flesh. That is, it doesn't happen by natural inclination or instinct. It doesn't even happen by the will of man. That is, making a, a free will decision for Jesus. No, no, no. John says it is all of God from beginning to end. So listen, if you're here tonight and you are a believer, you are standing where you could never have stood left to yourself. So let all of your life from the beginning of your days to the end of your days spell out the words, thank you to God. Because if it weren't for him, you wouldn't know him and you wouldn't be adopted into his family at all. And if you're here tonight and you, you don't know this man, please do not waste a minute of your time wondering to yourself whether God chose you. You just need to believe. And if you will believe, which is our responsibility, then you can know for certain that in fact God did choose you and God set his love upon you before the foundation of the world. And you know what, friend, if you'll do that tonight, then your darkness will be turned to light and the orphanage of this world will be turned into the family of the children of God. Why? Because you know a man, the right man, the one who made the world, the one who can fix the world, and the one who knows how to tinker within our hearts such that he makes us new creations. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old is gone and the new has come. Believe in his name and gain the right to become a child of God. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for us and then we've got two more carols uh, before we close. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you so much that there is a man for us to know who can place us in the very center of your love. We thank you that if we will know him, we can stand where we could never have stood left to ourselves. We can stand beneath your smile and we can know you and we can love you because you're the one who loved us first. And Lord, we do pray that all in this room gathered here tonight would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came from heaven to earth to reconcile sinners to God. And Lord, we pray that you would work powerfully in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.